Good morning and welcome to Conversations with Buddy, coming to you live from the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. I'm excited to introduce you to my first guest this morning, Sven Anderson. Welcome, Sven. Thank you, buddy. The goal of this podcast is to allow everyday people to share their story and impact you with their lives. So this morning, Sven, it's you. <laughs> so how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited about being here. Well, I'm excited to have you here as well. And you and I have been friends for a very long time, so I know a lot about you. But like I always say, I always learn something new about my guests. So I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm excited to learn. But where we typically start is like, who is Sven? Where'd you grow up? What were your parents like? Give us a little bit of a background on who you are and kind of life, the early life of Sven. And then obviously we're going to lead to where you're at today and and what your life was like. Sure. Thanks so much. Uh, I was born and raised here in Salem, Oregon. Actually, Kaiser. I was born in Salem, uh, South Salem, and then my parents bought a property in Kaiser when I was a little kid, I think one and a half. My first name's Eric, so I'm Eric Sven Anderson. I don't know Eric. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you know, that's how the the um, telemarkers know me. Eric is my first name. But the my my growing up years was before Kaiser was uh, actually a city. It's a small community, and I went to school there, Kennedy grade school, Whitaker junior high back then, and then McNary High School. I have two sisters, one younger, one older. My dad and mom, um, my mom was kind of a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I say kind of because my dad had a business, and she worked for my dad. She was kind of the bookkeeper for my dad's business. He had a vending machine business, and he sold apples and and candy bars and paper and pencils in schools around Salem. And that's how he fed us, <laughs> with nickels and dimes and quarters. And uh, grew up there in Salem uh, in kind of an unchurched world. I think when I was young, for a few years, my mom took us to a Presbyterian church. In fact, I went to, to school there at uh, John Knox Presbyterian Church on Cummings Lane, still there. Actually, my daughter lives a block away from it. And there I met my my first best friend, Greg Miller. So, Greg, if you're listening, hi, Greg. And, uh, you know, we remained friends all through high school and um, kind of uh, still connected to this day, you know, a little bit. We Our lives, you know, go different paths, but we still see each other occasionally. So, that's, uh, uh, that's me. I was very active in sports, love sports, and... Uh, as I mentioned, wasn't really uh, uh, churched much. And so I remember being a little kid and being with some of my friends, and, and one of my friends would say, well, I'm a Catholic. And the other kid said, well, I'm a Baptist. And the other kid would say something else. And I'm like thinking to myself, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I am. Uh, it didn't bother me too much, but I did. it did make me wonder sometimes. Interesting. So then later on in life – I know some stories about you. You did so. Let's go talk about gymnastics for a while. Did you do gymnastics in high school and then go to college and do that? I did. Uh, my first love was really football, and I was I was I loved it, and I played it in uh, junior high, and I couldn't wait for the football season. And in ninth grade, which in junior high, ninth grade was was junior high still then. Uh, I had a, a an an issue with my knee something called Osgood Schlatter's disease where my knee was growing, my body was growing faster than my knee was. It was creating this weakness and I was always in pain. And my doctor told me I was, I needed to stay off my knee 
off my leg for, I don't know, it was like um, 10 weeks or something like that, which is, you know, the entirety of a football season if you're in junior high. And I had to wear a brace. And so I missed my whole football season that year. And I wasn't growing huge. I wasn't, my friends were getting a little bigger than me and I was fairly small. But I was also really into skateboarding. I think at that time of my life, I uh, thought maybe I'd be a professional skateboarder. <laughs> As before, that was a thing, really, uh, back in the day. Those were, we're talking about late 70s, mid-70s. And uh, I thought uh, I need to do something different. And, and uh, another good friend of mine and I uh, decided to try gymnastics. We thought he was a skateboarder also. We thought this might improve our skateboarding. So. As a sophomore, started uh, I joined the gymnastics team at McNair High School, which they don't have men's gymnastics anymore. I think they closed it um, in Oregon, like in the early '80s. It was expensive and high liability and so forth. But anyway, was able to do that there. Enjoyed it. Uh, ultimately, became an all-around my junior year. Um, my specialties were floor and vault primarily, but I competed in all the events, and then. Uh, as you mentioned, I went to school at Portland State. You didn't mention Portland State, but I went there because they had a gymnastics team that I could walk on and, and um, you know, hopefully compete and learn something. And it's interesting, you know, there's probably other people who've had experiences. You go from being like the best in your school, one of the best maybe in your district, or in some cases the state. That probably wasn't my case because I injured myself in my senior year. But uh you walk on and all of a sudden you're starting at the bottom and, and it's very humbling and it's almost like you're having to relearn everything and you're worth, you're worth a much higher caliber of athlete, which ultimately stretches and challenges you and really becomes a huge benefit. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about gymnastics because this last week in our Bible study on Wednesday morning, you know, you and I are going through that book with Craig Rochelle, Winning the Battle in the Mind. You said something about when you do a gymnastics flip, your coach would say you have to commit and go all the way. And so that kind of, you know, resonated a little bit. But then in a day, no, that night I was out golfing and one of our friends uh, shared with me that night how it affected him emotionally. Like he realized that in part of his life he hadn't fully committed. And what is your, so just talk about that analogy if you, if you, your coach would say, if you don't fully commit, what would happen? <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting how that came up in that that, that Bible study group. Uh, I think this particular time, I remember this in particular, I was uh, practicing a dismount on the parallel bars, and my coach would be spotting me, and he's like, you, you've got to go for it. If you go halfway, you're going to get hurt, and I'm going to get hurt. But if you go for it, I'll pull you out, we'll be okay, you know, you'll, and we'll learn. And I think the first time I did it, I went up and you're upside down, you, you lose sight and balance, and all of a sudden I just freaked. And my coach tried to save me, and basically what happened is he and I both got hurt. Not terrible, but you know, it's enough to to make you him look at me like I told you, you know, go for it. And then ultimately, of course, I did. But going for it, there's a safety in going for it because this is kind of a life principle, I suspect. You, you'll, you can, you'll, you'll land, you know, you may not, it won't be perfect, but you're not going to land upside down on your head. And that's the key. 
And so I kind of related it to our faith in Christ, that if we only are going halfway, we're really not getting the benefit of, of walking with the Lord, the whole benefit that God promises us. You know, he, you know, he says, if you seek me, then you'll find me. Well, if you're looking for him, but you're not really seeking hard with all your heart, you're probably not finding what you need. Yeah, you might get derailed and find a distraction and and uh, and say this doesn't really work or whatever. But yeah, to pull back say, into where you were going in the first place. So when your coach was teaching that lesson back then, I know you shared it recently, but that's been what thirty some years ago. I, I won't <laughs> date it too much, but around thirty or so years or more. But uh, did 40. you know that? <laughs> yeah, did you understand that lesson back then, or did it actually kind of marinate? So now when you share that story, like it means more to you. You know, with your walk with Christ, your wife, your kids, your life. Well, quite frankly, I don't talk that story very often. And at the time, what I learned was I needed to not kill my coach and me in my next, you know, attempt to at making a new gymnastics move. So that's that was good. But uh, really, I only, I think, maybe learned it in that opportunity where it just showed up in my head where I was speaking it almost before I thought about it. It just seemed to apply into that particular scenario. Sometimes that happens where the Lord will just kind of bring things to your remembrance that 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 have some sort of a beneficial application. Yeah. So it's going back to when you and I first met. I think it was around 24 years ago. Uh, we met at a chamber event here in Salem or Kaiser. And uh, we had an instant bond and we became friends and we would grab coffee and... I've always enjoyed that. And then we've obviously became better friends as we time has gone along. Go back and tell me when you first discovered the Lord. I think it was in college. And then kind of where that's led you to today. It's going to be a very long story, but there's a lot of details in there that really are profound that are awesome. So share away. Yeah, so... Picking up a little bit back into my high school years where I was trying to fit in and, and do whatever. And, you know, I was kind of a, I was one of those kids that wasn't, you know, I was popular, but not super popular. I was an athlete, but maybe not like, you know, a state outstanding athlete. But, and I was a good student, but I wasn't, you know, an A student. I was, you know, probably B plus student. So the, the reality was I was still trying to figure out who I was and, 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 uh, some of my friends, you know, were getting involved in in drugs and and partying and stuff, and so that's kind of easily where I drifted into. I didn't have kind of a, a faith base that would pull me out of it, and that was kind of the. I mean, my family, you know, wasn't afraid of drinking. My mom smoked and stuff like that. So I mean, it wasn't. It didn't seem like I was that far off the mark, except that everything I was doing was illegal <laughs> as a teen. But uh, you know, I kind of justified it. So uh, got kind of pretty involved in that. It uh, I was able to kind of keep it under the radar from most of my my coaches and and uh, teachers and stuff, but and even my grades I could maintain a certain level. But it was impacting me. I noticed. In fact, I, I contemplated in my life that if it wasn't, I think I would have been a better athlete hmm. if I wasn't, you know, getting stoned and stuff like that. Right? I mean, it so- sounds pretty. Uh, simple to 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 gasp or grasp rather at this stage in the game but at the time i didn't it didn't really occur to me that way and uh, so it was taking me down a path it was a dark path and you know i was really focusing on myself 
you know, what, you know, what do I want? What, what pleases me? And this is a scary path to be on. This is, this is the path of the world. It's a broad path and it leads to destruction. And so, uh, there was this one incident in my going into my senior year. I was, uh, I was becoming entrepreneurial with my drug use. And that means I was selling drugs. I was, well, drugs. It was, it was just marijuana. It just marijuana. But back in the day, it was illegal, friends. Anyway, uh, I had a couple ounces. And if you had over an ounce, it was considered a pretty significant offense. And, uh, my friend and I were driving. We'd, I just actually sold some and uh, we got pulled over by some cops. We'd stopped at a Circle K store, picked up some ice cream because we were had the munchies. And we uh, we we sat there for about, you know, 15 minutes and ate our ice cream and then we drove down the road on Lancaster Drive and uh we got pulled over by a cop and not just one cop, but I mean the whole street filled up with cops. And I mean lights flashing everywhere in each direction and we, you know, we're hearing uh through a loudspeaker driver roll down your window reach out with your right hand open the door come out with your hands up I mean, this is really freaky because we're st- you know i'm 17 i'm stoned and so is my friend and then same thing uh passenger with your hands up come out through the ba- ba- driver's side and we come out we as soon as we come out cops rush up to us frisk us down and everything they're rifling through our car looking through stuff and my friend says, kind of in a broken up voice, he goes, can I ask what this is all about? And the cop pulled us to the side. He said, listen, we've got, we were, we were giving credible evidence that two males in a blue Pinto, which we happen to be in, we're going to hold up this, the Circle K. And we, we were watching its store and you were out there and you had been sitting there. So we, we thought you'd done it. <laughs> so, but they found all of our drugs and paraphernalia and stuff and, Oh my gosh, that kind of started a, I probably didn't start, but it, it, what it did is it complicated a relationship with my father, uh, because he didn't raise a kid to be selling drugs and they were mine. And, um, anyway, that, that, that was a kind of a, a harm, a, really harmed our relationship. No, it wasn't, it wasn't great. But that really, that really hurt it, and so it kind of spiraled me down. And but I was still, you know, athlete and all those other things I mentioned. But when I got to got graduated from high school, and I pursued, I wanted to pursue gymnastics um, because it was fun and it was it challenged me. And it was it was a great, um, it was different too. I mean, my friends were playing football and whatnot, and I love football, but you know, I could do stuff they could not do and improve my diving. I used to belonged to a swim club. And so, you know, my diving improved and that was, that was kind of neat. But, uh, when I, when I went to, the reason I went to school, meaning college was I really needed to buy some time cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to go to work. Um, I knew I wanted to party. I knew gymnastics were good and I wanted to meet as many girls as I could. That was kind of my, that was my plan. Uh, it wasn't much of a plan, but that was it. it but it's all to, it's all about me and me and me and me. And when I got to Portland State and I lived on at the student housing on 6th Avenue, the on Dean on the 11th floor, and I had a roommate from Bend uh, who was also on the uh, um, gymnastics team with me, 
um, it was lonely there a little bit. And um, I recognized something pretty fast. Um, I wasn't going to be the best on this team, maybe ever. I mean, there's some, you know, even at that level, there's, there's some really phenomenal athletes. Um, wasn't going to be the best. Wasn't going to be the smartest. Wasn't going to be the best looking, best, smartest, richest, anything. I wasn't going to be the best at anything. It was really weird. It was kind of like this. I had a, my whole, whatever I was striving for, kind of, I recognized I was going to fail in everything. And it depressed me. And I considered just why would I continue with life? It sounds kind of silly now thinking back, but that was kind of the, the oppression I was in. I felt, why would I, what's the point? And along those, those times I'd, I'd, uh, you know, look out the window and contemplate one short jump and I'd be done. Well, thankfully that never happened, but it was scary. I scared myself a couple of times, my foot on, you know, the windowsill and kind of envisioned it, but it scared me. But thankfully God had a plan for my life and he wasn't going to leave me there. And so I met um, some friends through my, through my roommate that were engaged in um, a business and we were invited to, as here I'm a college freshman, invited to a, a business uh, seminar and rally in the Portland area at the time. And uh, I just went, yeah, sure, we'll go. And showed up my flannel shirt and jeans, you know, <laughs> my, my roommate didn't know anything different. But uh, but it had began a pr- profound thing where I started associating with people that were very positive and talked things like, you know, you know, God's part of my life, and uh, you know, I, I need uh, you know the Lord's will, and these these kind of phrases and thoughts and stuff that I wasn't familiar with. And then I started reading some positive books and stuff that really also kind of reinforced the idea that you know God wanted my success. Didn't didn't really fully understand. I really didn't change my lifestyle at all, but it just it got me thinking. And then, uh, as it turned out. Um, about you know eight ten months later, I had an opportunity to go to one of these functions, and afterwards they had a what they called a non-denominational church service at the at the event. This was out of town, I happened to be Spokane, Washington, and um, so the, the 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 function was on a uh, Saturday night, but Sunday morning they were doing this this non-denominational church service, and I said to my roommate, I said, "Hey, you know, I think I'd be interested in going to that." And he goes, "Okay, I'll take you." So we we drove over there early in the morning. And got there, and you know, not churched. I don't know church songs. I don't know process or anything. It was it was pretty uncomfortable. Um, but on the way there, I remember staring out the window. It was about a fifteen minute, twenty minute drive to this place, and I had this very unusual thing that happened to me. With clarity in my mind, not audibly, but I f- sensed the. God, I didn't know much about God, but I sensed God saying, today you're going to give your life to me. Today is the day. And I was staring out the window. Nobody, just me, heard that. I mean, it wasn't audible again, but I knew what had just happened in my mind. And I started in my, like having the fear of God in my chest because I'm thinking, what does this mean? So I get to this church service we're sitting there and i'm the whole time i'm thinking how is this going to play out because that was whatever happened back there was something 
And so I listened to this, this message and people give testimony, whatever. And then at the end, there was some opportunity to, to go forward and, and pray. And I remember feeling chained down. Like, I can't move. I'm, I think I'm supposed to go forward. I don't know. I don't even sh- know sure what I'm going forward all about. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of things going through your head. And I remember just closing my eyes and taking a step. And in my mind, as I took that step, I could almost hear like chains falling off my, my feet that I was shackled back from. And I, and I went forward and I said a prayer. I received the Lord. And, and I kind of, you know, it was all, all said and done. And I was kind of going, wow, what did I just do? What just happened? And anyway, that was kind of the, the beginning of my, my, my new life, being born again. That was uh, April 6th, 1980, at 12 noon, Spokane, Washington How Convention Center. I was 18. Wow. And I remember coming back, and all of a sudden it kind of occurred to me that I felt clean inside. And I started crying. Oh, man, it was deep, weep, heaving, crying, because I thought, I feel clean. I feel clean. And I remember kind of having some of my friends come around me, and I said, how, how is it that it took me 18 years to hear this message, to know this? I remember one of my friends said, Sven, sometimes people never get this message. So that was my beginning, and then God, that was my beginning with the Lord. But I moved back, I was, but I lived in Portland. I lived away from my family. I didn't have a church. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't have nothing. My roommate, who was pretty much as much of a partier as I was, he, he moved back home to Ben. Now I'm all alone. And I'm sitting in that room, this is about a week later or whatever. I am easy pickings for the devil. And I get a phone call, and I answer. I said, hello? And they said, uh, is so-and-so there, my roommate? And I said, uh, no, he doesn't live here anymore. He moved back. And they said, oh, well, this is, this is Don from Christian Discipleship on campus. Your, your roommate had, you know, said he had some interest in our, our deal. And I said, oh, well, it's too bad. I mean, he's not here. And then he said, do you want to meet us? I said, okay. So they said, come on down. Meet us at the, uh, you know, the commissary or whatever. We'll we'll." You know, we'll, we'll visit. So I went down 30 months later. They took me through the four spiritual laws, made sure I was all prayed up, you know, receive the Lord. And then next thing you know, I'm um, kind of getting engaged with a fellow named Floyd who was walking me through uh, the Bible. We were, we were learning. He was teaching me. He was discipling me. He was mentoring me. And that made the difference. And then later on, I was remember, it was maybe within weeks of that, um, I was, by the way, I was nursing a, a, another injury in my, on my foot, and my trainer was wrapping my foot every day before gymnastics practice. And we get to talking, and this guy, he's, he's a, a believer, and I didn't realize that, and he invites me to church. I'm still in Portland, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, let's, let's do that. So I went to a, a little church called Beaverton Foursquare Church, which at the time was, was in small or <laughs> I think that you know it sat probably maybe two or three hundred people and I get there with my friend Brian and and there's uh we're there like 15 minutes before the service and there's like 150 people standing outside waiting to get in I'm like what's what what are we waiting for what's all this waiting and the doors open up and like the first service piles out and I'm like there's that many people that are interested in going to church and I go in and it packs out and it's a great message or whatever and uh I get a Bible, 
and come back out and for the next service. And there's another pile of people out waiting to get in for the next service. It really kind of intrigued me that people were anxious to hear about the Lord, you know, to be in his presence. But that was kind of my, thankfully to the Lord, he didn't leave me without some sort of resource because I didn't have a Bible. I didn't have a church. I didn't, I didn't know nothing. And, and in that short time, I got somebody to disciple me. I got a friend that took me to church. I got a Bible. I started reading, and my life began to change slowly. Mm-hmm. Man, as I think about that, if you go back and let's say a mentor didn't show up because you and I are involved in mentoring, and so we're going to talk about that, but I can't imagine what life would be like if you didn't, if that mentor hadn't showed up and made that phone call to you. Let's let's talk about like marriage, kids ministry. So how long have you and Elena been married? I know it's been a long time. How many kids you got? And then we'll we'll probably end on the note of this thing called uh, mentoring men or valor mentoring. Great. Uh, Monday, the 10th of October, will be our 35th wedding anniversary. 35 years. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. In fact, we just solidified some plans. We're going to, we're going to, Take a great little trip when it gets cold in a few weeks. Uh, south, east, and way southeast. <laughs> anyway, um, we have two children together, but my whole story is not complete in that I was married once before. I, As a young believer, I got pulled back into some of the same behaviors that, that I was escaping from and found myself married at a young man at 19. I said, my, man, <laughs> uh, looking back at those pictures, didn't look like a man, but um, I was I was willing to take on man-sized responsibility. Got married. A year later, we had a child, my oldest son, and then about three years later, we're separated and then ultimately divorced. And uh, that, was, that was a painful time, but the Lord made it profitable to me because I wholeheartedly pursued him in that. And I'm thinking back, they were the worst times and they were the best times. Not because they were good times, but because God was good. That's what made those times so profoundly special. He was so near to me. Shortly after that, my dad died. Actually, actually what happened was uh, my wife and I separated. I lost my job and then my dad died. Wow. And it was, I might back up just a bit and just because I left the story earlier where my dad and I had kind of a strained relationship. After knowing Christ, and I was a little bit of an arrogant believer uh, in the early years, like, I'm a Christian, you're not, you don't, you can't really tell me anything. I apologize for that. I, and I went, I, I did that. I was, I was convicted to apologize to my dad, which was such a great healing thing. My dad had forgiven me, but. I needed to ask for forgiveness. And then uh, when my wife and I had separated back then and I moved back home, I sp- and my dad died six months later. But those six months were like a healing, friendship-developing, young man back to his father kind of relationship. I really cherish those, those six months that God gave me. And uh, I spoke at my dad's funeral, and I think that was the beginning of a type of ministry that God was was sharing in my life. Uh, several years later, met Elena. We've had we have two children, and now so I mean we are so blessed. 
our children are a way for us to evaluate how successful we are in life. And my wife and I have, you know, Elena and I have always talked about that, that that was the way we would measure our success, not in dollars or things or stuff or places or stuff, but rather how great our kids were. Were they serving the Lord? Do they love people? Are they, are they, you know, doing stuff that are helping other people? And, and that is, that is where our children are at. We're super proud of them. And, you know, we still pray for them. We still have challenges and issues and they're not perfect and God knows I'm not, but, um, but that's very satisfying. That's very satisfying. Yeah. Well, you've, you've definitely impacted me. Um, just the way you start out your morning, you, you spend time in the word. I didn't always do that. And so you've definitely had an impact on me. I'm actually watching you, how you, uh, spend time with your wife, how you raise your kids. Um, so I've, I've known you for a very long time, so I've witnessed it. And it's a beautiful thing what God does. Because left alone, I don't think you and I have a very good story that ends well. God help us. <laughs> so let's just wrap up here because this is really where you and I are at. You know, 30 years, 35 years later, you know, having kids. And we really haven't talked about your work. And we can talk about New York life and stuff like that. But I really like where this is going because really I think your heart is – for the gospel, for people. So how do you spend, spend your days? You, you obviously work, you gotta make money and you bought a new home or built a new home. Well, you gotta make your, you know, they say happy wife, happy life. So I'm sure that has <laughs> something to do with it. Yeah. So far so good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll call in and make sure that's yeah. the case. But then well, she threatens to call you once in a while when we're, things are going sideways. Yeah, She's yeah, like, you want good. me to call buddy? Yeah. And I go, no, don't no, do don't do it. Um, so how do you, Spend your days now with ministry, whether church or follow mentoring. What's that look like to you? Yeah, that's changed a little bit over the years, but it's always been something, uh, engaging with people. And I even coach or mentor some of my friends that are going through struggles, and I notice that they are so self-absorbed for them to, to go out and reach out to other people. There's such a profound benefit in reaching out to other people. It forces you to get closer to God. So today, you know, as you mentioned, I, I, I just a caveat, I'm not every morning in the Word most mornings, but there, there, there are those that I miss. But um, generally speaking, I'm in the Word, I'm in try to be in prayer and stuff, and it doesn't make me perfect, but it kind of gives God another opportunity to speak into my heart and life throughout the day and whatever, that's so great. But, um, you know, you and I and Tim, we, we we had a vision that God wanted to do something in our lives, and and and, and you were modeling, mentoring to me, and so was Tim, and, and but I had to, I was doing it as well, you know, but we, together, we, we thought, maybe we can take this idea and duplicate it in other people. And if we could reach men, and if men would go out and reach other men, that would be a solution to the, the the challenges in our in our communities, in our in our world, frankly. If men could get their worlds together, women are safer, children are safer, po- poverty goes down, crime goes down, there's fewer abortions. Everything about life that's negative gets better when men get their lives aimed straight. Amen. And that's and that's where we've encouraged one another. You you've modeled it so well for me, buddy. And so right now I'm mentoring. I'm actually I'm back re-mentoring. I don't think I've told you this. Re-mentoring one of our friends, 
in a profound way. And it is, and now this is somebody that you introduced me to years ago. We mentored for a while. He kind of fell out of my world, but he's come back as a young man and I'm having, I'm speaking in his life and he's bringing other young men. And so I have this opportunity now to be speaking into their lives again. And other things, you know, so I, I help out at Sunday school sometimes, or I'll teach a Sunday school class, or I'll lead a class. We do the, we do the Wednesday morning men's study here. I just, whatever the Lord puts in my heart, but I mean, it happens at my work too. You know, when you, I, I, I'm in the money business, kind of like you, a different, different element, you know, more um, financial services and planning and stuff. But when you talk about money, you get really into some intimate things and there's opportunities in that intimate conversation. So, Work becomes a ministry too. Everything becomes a ministry. We're, our house is a ministry. Our kids are a ministry. We 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 just live, and that is. And and I'm not. I haven't perfected this. But I don't want to make it sound like I have. But it's it's really a joy when whatever you do, you do is unto the Lord. Man, Amen. You do it well, man. I know. Like you said, we can say it a million times. We're not perfect. But it's not about perfection. It's about progress and seeking the Lord and being about that. One last question, then we'll wrap up here. What is your legacy that you want to leave that's so important to you that you get up every day and live accordingly? Because I know you do. Wow. That's kind of multifaceted. I wish you would ask me that question a week ago. I prepare a really great statement, but I'll, 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 I'm going to give you what I think I got here. First of all, it's my family. I want, as I mentioned, the success of my children and grandchildren. I want that to go on and on. We want to, we want to change this world for the Lord. We want to, we want to affect lives. We want to bless people. My wife and I were talking just yesterday. She told me about somebody who was really hurting, and and I thought to myself, we just need to be their friend. Our ministry will just be to come alongside them and be a friend. But that's just kind of my wife's heart and my heart. I just, I just love her heart. She's. She's awesome. So the legacy would be our children's success, but it's more than that. It'll be the the lives that we've been able to impact along the way. Some of them are family. Some of them aren't, sadly. Um, but they're people that God brings across our path. And really this the whole idea of being together with you and Tim was was for me to expand my faith and to do more with less or to do more with more. Maybe that's a better way of saying it, but it, it, it's really, we can touch more people together. It seems than we ever were doing apart. Uh, you know, when, when we're working on our own, we're, we're touching one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three or something, but with, we've, we've multiplied that. And, and I think we've only just begun. Yeah. So I hope my, my hope my legacy is, is well done, good and faithful servant. And, the same message to my children, my family, my, the people that I know, that they would, would have that same um, welcoming into heaven. Amen. Well, Sven, thank you for sharing your life. And uh, I learned some things about you. I didn't know a few of those things, and we'll, we'll talk about those <laughs> uh, as we meet again. And, but I really appreciate you as a brother, as a friend, and... Uh, I'll continue to pray for you and your family. And I also just want to say thanks for the, the rec to host this podcast. It's special to, to have these conversations with people, to hear their story, and that your story, Sven, will affect somebody. We don't know who. It's not up to us. But God will use it for His glory, and that's what we want. So 
Thanks again for being a part of this, Finn. We appreciate you. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you and just say, hey, man, who are you? You've gone through some stuff. How would they get a hold of you? Well, I, um, I'm not presuming I'll be an avalanche of people, but <laughs> uh, probably one easy way would be, you know, reach out to me by email. So eSvenAnderson at gmail.com. That'd be one way. I could give my phone number out. Is that Absolutely, if you want to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you need to, maybe I can help. 503-779-3127. Well, thanks, Finn. And uh, appreciate you being here, man. Appreciate the opportunity, yeah. buddy. Have a great day. Bless you. Bye.